This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Sponsored by Skunk Brothers Spirits, DWA10. Check them out. Veteran owned. They're amazing. Today I've decided to steal something from CR's playbook. So this is one of my drinking with author swag cups. But I have uh, vodka and cranberry because I'm awesome. being healthy. Real cranberry juice. There you go. You just got to throw a little bit of key lime on top. I threw a little bit of lime in it, not key lime. There you go. I'm super fancy today. It's fine. CR, what are you so this one is weird because we're trying to do come up with the weird like four author four horsemen drinks. So this one is um, rum, and then you know the new Coke that came out, the little cotton candy one. The, I think it's called Starlight. Star yeah, and then I did that, and then there's strawberries in here, and we're gonna call it War. War. Okay, I like that you <laughs> described it all that way, and then you're like, we're gonna call it War. We're gonna call it War. Okay, Maria, what are you drinking? Well, I have, it's kind of like my take on a white Russian. It's screwball peanut butter whiskey with Godiva chocolate liqueur and milk. Oh, wow. So it's peanut butter chocolate milk? It's like like a Reese's peanut butter cup. Okay. That's what I was going to say. It sounds like a peanut butter cup. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So. Maria, for those out there that may not know, what do you write? Um, I write dark fantasy and horror, um, YA and adult. That's that's my gig. Very, very cool. And your release, we should talk about that momentarily and then we'll go into all about you stuff. So what yes. just came out? Um, well, my first book with Four Horsemen just came out today. It's called Witch of the Black Circle. And it is the first in the Dawn of the Blood Witch series. And it's a cult horror. So super adult, so super gory, so super sexy, and uh, so super witchy. And it is based, if I recall correctly, from something your mother talked about, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, so let's actually, talk about that. Okay. So, uh, I, okay, I, just briefly, because I don't want to give too much away in the book. But the whole premise of the book is that it takes place in um, the 1980s satanic panic era, right? And um, a lot of it was drawn from things that like I heard about in the news at the time, you know, growing up on Long Island as a kid in the eighties, you know, like the whole girl of it all. So my mom had told me the story that when she was pregnant with me, um, she went to do some like babysitting job for like this family. And my mom was like, yeah, I just kind of need you in the morning to get the kids ready for school and blah, 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 blah. And she told me that when she went into their apartment, the apartment was like goth to the max. There were paintings on the walls of like headless people and, and all this like satanic weird looking stuff. And there was a library with all these 
books in it. And she always got like this weird feeling from being in this apartment, you know? And she said when she would go in on the refrigerator, there'd be these little like notes on magnets that said, brotherhood meeting, 7 p.m., sisterhood meeting, 6 p.m. And it, she said it was just like really weird. Though She got a very creepy vibe from them. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. So I just ran with it. That's very cool. It's so funny because, uh, you know, we put out the anthology Teen Angst. And one of the things I wrote about it in Ball 1, Ball 2 is coming out here soon, is I grew up when Dungeons and Dragons where they talked about how this was satanic and what we were doing and their devil right. worship and all this other stuff. And my mom was like, well, at least you're not getting drunk and getting high with friends. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, but if you got to think Dungeons and Dragons over drugs and, and alcohol for little kids, you got to go with the Dungeons and Dragons. Well, what's really funny is if you could time travel, <laughs> back then, it was so ridiculed in the press. Dungeons and Dragons was just so ridiculed. And now everybody's like, Dungeons and Dragons, look at that dice. And I was like, yeah, we had to hide. And you didn't say yeah. you played Dungeons and Dragons. No, People no. thought you were a Satan worshiper. And I was like, okay. I mean, cool to all the same worshipers whatever but it was just like a really weird thing in the 80s and stuff got them all okay anyway moving on uh Maria when did you start writing um well I started I think I've always been a writer like deep in my soul from the time I was born um but I started like professionally I guess I could say 2010 what made you decide to take the leap um, well, like my daughter was born, I, I, my daughter was born in 2009 and like, I kind of, I was settled in my house and in my job and with my marriage, like everything was just like wonderful. And I'm like, ah, there's still one thing I haven't done and I got to do it. And my husband's like, all right, do it. You know, like what, what are you, what are you talking about? Just do it. Like you want to do it, just do it. So I was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it. And then I just resigned to do it. That is awesome. Yay for supportive partners out there. I don't think we give shout outs enough for those supportive power partners out there that are like, cool, you want to you wanna go write about satanic witch cults? You go do that. You do it. Yeah. And it's so much more than that too. Cause you know, you have the, does anybody else do the have conversations where like they're talking to you and for some reason, what they say either triggers something or your mind stops, starts wandering. So then you just sit there like this and you're already doing something else, but they just sit there supportively knowing you've checked out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moved on to a conversation <laughs> I'm having with one of my characters. Exactly. I'm dead. living the dream. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think that's amazing. So what was the first thing you published? So you just said you have your adorable baby girl, you decided what it was the first thing that you published um i published my young adult dark fantasy book the coal elf and it's about elves at the north pole who mine coal for the naughty kids at christmas so it's kind of like i i live in the weird like weird is my home um so i had to take something as beautiful and magical as christmas and kind of turn it dark and scary so like we all know <laughs> We all know the legend, right? Like if you're bad, you're getting coal in your stocking, but who puts it there? How is it getting there? Right? 
So I made up the story about them. <laughs> I think that's brilliant because they never explained that. Right. I, I don't never think knew Santa that was the goal there. I never knew that if you were bad, you got cold. What? I never knew that if you were bad, you got cold. My parents always just told me you just didn't get presents. Yeah, your parents. I didn't know until a lot of things until we moved to North Carolina and a friend of mine was like, yeah, I'm totally, I got the, you know, when those uh, little chocolates came out that looked like holes, she's like, I'm going to stick this in my little brother's so he's all upset. I'm like, why would he be upset? And she's like, because you get coal. And I'm like, why would you give him coal? That's super unhealthy. And she's like, no, because he's annoyed me. So he was bad. So he gets coal. I was like, cool. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, it was... I feel like getting no presents is better than getting cold. Like, I feel like it's better to know that story. Well, cause like, if you know, you're like all excited and you open up, you go into your stocking and you reach into the stocking and you pull out a handful of black crap. Oh, can I curse? Am I like- Yeah, this is a fucking adult podcast. Yes. We can fucking <laughs> oh, okay. the fuck we want. With alcohol. No, because listen. listen. alcohol. Listen. Yesterday we were talking about porn. It's fine. Okay. Like because I'm in front of seventh graders all day. So it's like, I got to tone it down. So fuck that shit. I'm surprised you have to tone it down. They're fucking seventh graders. They probably curse worse than you do. <laughs> Why well, inventive too. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your first book comes out. Did you um, go traditional or self when you did the first one? Um, I went indie. I did indie. indie. Yeah. Um, it got now listen to this one it got rejected like over a hundred times I think I stopped counting at a hundred and um it was very soul crushing you know because I'm like I'm never gonna get this shit published I'm whatever and you know and um finally like eventually I had gotten an email from Twilight Times they were the ones who published it and they were like oh yeah it ended up in our spam box and we want it and I was like oh okay cool let's do this so I like it. that was kind of neat. Does that make you wonder, like, do publishers, you know, end up in a spam folder? That means it's an unknown address. That's how things get into spam. Do you think that like publishers purposely do those things and only sure. like dig into it when they need new books? I wouldn't, I'm going to say I wouldn't be surprised. I think part of the thing, and it also depends on the publisher, is I think people don't set up things to be scalable. Right. And so they can hit a point of inundation and they just don't do it. I've told this story before on the podcast where, you know, when I was first submitting my book um, and I went uh, with a small press one before I created Four Horsemen, but um, one of the things that I got back and I should have saved it, maybe I did and then I don't know where I put it, but it was a copy of a copy of a rejection letter that was mailed to me. Like they put it on the photocopier and copied it and it got a little askew and then copied it again the copy of the copy like you can tell when you know yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and I was like wow they're not even I apparently I don't even warrant printing off a fresh rejection letter or it's okay with me a clean copy of the rejection letter it was a copy of the copy and I was like this is soul crushing for authors to receive something like that totally get it if my work is not what you want to see or whatever, right? But I almost go, you have to say what it is about it that is not acceptable. Like yep. you need to, and I think that people should, like if it, you just go, listen, 
Um, we didn't actually even read it because we saw it was horror and we don't publish horror. Here you go, right? There's that's one that's thing, one. yeah. Yeah, like right. we're not even gonna look at it. We reviewed it, but you, it, it had a lot of grammatical errors and things like that. I would suggest, you know, doing some classes and resubmit, whatever, you know what I mean? Like something, but don't just go, copy of copy because you don't even know if somebody touched it was it a real rejection or did you just get it in the mail put it in the rejection thing and mail it out like anyway editor ran out of time was running behind and it's like rejection yeah exactly it's crazy but there are a lot of people that passed on amazing books that hit number one in spots and mm -hmm. yeah they're you know look how many what is 176 people rejected stephen king yep Oh, I bet none of them the are hundreds that so. rejected J.K. Rowling. Mm -hmm. And now there's a fucking amusement park. Like, right. Are you kidding me? Anyway, so, okay. So then let's go on your journey here. So you get an indie and the book comes out. What happens then? Well, okay. So interesting story. Simultaneously, as I was signing a contract with that publisher, like two weeks later, I got an agent. And I got an agent for the second book that I had written, which was The Altered, which is my YA zombie horror, psychological horror. So I was signing with an agent. I was signing with the publisher. Um, it was, you know, high life on the farm back then. Yeah. And, um, you know, things were like, it was great. It was great. It was great. And then I'm with this agent and I keep hearing <sighs> I don't know how to sell you. I don't know how to market you. I don't know how to blah, blah, blah. Oh, you're up in uh, your book and Darren Shan's book. Okay, who's gonna win out there? Um, you know, like, so it was just one thing after the other, after the other. I was with this agent for about, oh gosh, I wanna say four years and nothing happened. Wow. Zero. And, you know, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea. Because, you know, I'm dark, I'm weird, I'm quirky. Not everybody's going to like what I have to say. And that's fine. I'm, I've resigned to that fact. Um, but yeah, so nothing happened. So I had like a four-year time period where it was like, whoa. And I was writing, you know, every summer because I'm a teacher. So I teach in, in the 10 months of teaching. And then summer months is when I do my writing. So I've been mm -hmm. writing and writing and writing and I wrote the sequel to The Coal Elf and then I wrote the sequel to The Altered and then I started another book and another series and like, so finally I was like, all right, agent, we gotta, we gotta, so we parted ways and um, I found another home for my horror series, The Altered. So then I went, so now I've got two publishers on that front and then, yeah, I was like, I need to take a shot at adults stuff because I've been writing YA for quite some time and I'm like mm, I think we need to take this a little bit a little bit farther I think that's awesome it's interesting you say that about the agent because I think some agents can be amazing for writers but yes. when an agent has you for four years and can't figure out I'm like fail just like a big gigantic red fail stamp on the forehead for that particular person yeah. because it's your job you can't possibly make money unless you get her books out and anyway that's so. exactly so i mean you know and then i had heard you know oh it's better to have no agent than to have a bad agent but my agent wasn't bad i i mean 
we we left on on amicable terms and all of that but four years nothing well i i don't you're being very generous i think what you say your agent wasn't bad they weren't good for you right yes yes so you um took this journey and you're a teacher which is Mm -hmm. i always think fascinating because what do you teach i teach language arts and journalism seventh grade and eighth grade very cool so did you go to you had to go to school to be a teacher right is that what you wanted to be were you like i'm gonna be a teacher uh no actually (laughs) yes and no um because i always wanted to be a writer so in my my child brain right I'm like, well, I want to be a teacher because I have to have my summers off. You know, when I'm like seven years old, I'm like, there's no way I'm doing what my dad does and working in the summer. No way. Get out of here. So that was one reason. And then I'm like, oh, I can be an author because that's what I really want to be. And I can write in the summer when I'm not teaching children. So it kind of just like developed from there. I was real young when I knew I wanted to teach, when I knew I wanted to, to write. So I've always had that like life path. That's very cool. Not a lot of people can say that. That's really awesome. Um, we, we know you're weird and quirky. What yeah. made you decide to go the dark fantasy horror route though? Okay, so I, man, my mom, she keeps popping up these days, man. I just, she's been gone. I lost her two months ago. So like, it's kind of like, oh, to talk about her is, is very cathartic, I guess. Um, she influenced me a lot. She really did. When I was three, she took me to my first horror movie. And it was Creep Show. No, oh, I And it was, you know, that, that anthology, you know, there's like three different short, you know, whatever. And I remember sitting in her lap and she thought that I was asleep the whole time. But mind you, I'm like this, right? And I'm looking up and I'm like, oh, no. And then I look up and like, I was so fascinated, you know? And I just wanted to see more, wanted to see more. Because it, it creeped me out, but it, it like... I don't know, it, it's are inspiring And I'm like, oh my gosh, I like this. And something just kind of clicked and I've been weird ever since. No, that makes sense. I would say that my dad let me go to The Exorcist when it came out. That was, yeah. uh, and I, I write horror. Like I, I went and saw that, Zombies the Whole Nine Yards. I think, mm-hmm. I think that's completely, and you know, yes, yes. But, you know, somebody was talking one time on this podcast about almost the, like, adrenaline you get from being in a, put in a frightened position or, like, scared. Like, there's almost like a, I don't know what they called it, um, yeah. like a euphoric high? Yes, it is. It is very euphoric. Chelsea, do you get euphoric when being startled and frightened to death? Is that good? I don't often, like, I don't leave my house that often, so it's really difficult for me to get scared. But I will say, if I find a bug in the middle of the night, no, it is not cathartic. It is terrifying, and I consider burning my house down. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess the answer to that's no. I do not find it cathartic. <laughs> oh, my God. Bug story. Here's the bug story of the day as we're drinking and talking about things. My boyfriend was doing the dishes earlier and we moved to North Carolina and we are, we are effectively on a mountain and there's a lot of wilderness around our house. And he sends me a picture because there was a spider that had gotten into the sink and it was oh sitting God. on like at the underside of a cup, 
like uh -huh. under here. Was it the spider crickets though, or was it an actual spider? No, it was a spider, like a little, yeah. Okay. And it was so funny. And I'm like, you gotta love nature. I don't know. He may have thrown that cup away. <laughs> he may have been like, no. we're done. Uh, uh, I don't mess with Buck. My worst one was I had to get up and I, I had to go to the bathroom. It was like 2 a.m. And I was like, how did, how did they sock get in the bathroom? So I went to reach for it. And then I was like, wait a second. He doesn't wear socks. So I turned the light on and there was a spider. It was like this fucking big. And I almost picked it up immediately scream, you know, have to go over dramatic. Corey came in, tried to kill it, like sprayed it with the home defense. It just bucked up against him. Like it was going to fight him. <laughs> like it was yeah. not going down. It's like, no, thank you. No. I made, um, I made a deal with the spiders in my house. I said to them, look, you can stay here as long as I don't see you. You can live in the walls. You can crawl on the baseboards. Like, I don't care. You're beneficial to my life. It's all good. You come out. I'm gonna kill your ass. Right. I say that to the ones outside. Like you stay, you stay in your zone. I get it. I'm outside your house. This is my house. Like right. we will fight. Yeah, I will get a blowtorch. Yeah. I don't do yeah, bugs see, and clouds. Those are my two one, things. One thing I'm super excited about, I'm not saying they're not here at all, but I haven't seen a palmetto bug since I've no, you'll see spider crickets. Oh, you lucky bitch. Yes. yes, I've seen those things. An ass ton of spiders, but not a single palmetto bug. Wait until you go to get in the shower and you notice those spider crickets crawl out of your drain. So when you turn it on, they freak the fuck out and try to attack you in your shower. Yeah. Wait, you have those. Yeah, those see, are four or five. I'm one of those people that bugs, the only bugs that bother me, honestly, are um, palmetto bugs that they fly and land on me. They fly? Yes, yeah, they fly. Girl. Yes. <laughs> if you're watching the YouTube, you get to see Chelsea's face. And it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> oh my God. You didn't know they fly? No, no they, I didn't know they fly. 20, 30 feet in the air. Like this are not like, they're not low flyers. They're not like the chicken of bugs. They, they, they will oh take off. No. So we have pest control. So we don't mess with that. But when the first moved down here, we had no idea about those things. And I walked into the house and they were just there. Like, <laughs> like keep a very clean house. And I was like, there's a farming cop. And like somebody that my husband knew was like, that's not, that's not what it is. It's called this. Never seen one fly. I've seen it chase me. Yeah. And I have so seen them. They can launch faster. Yeah, no, they can launch a fly. <laughs> Yeah. One fell out of my curtain one time when I went to open them and I decided we were moving. <laughs> we were just leaving the house, abandoning everything. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. well, I didn't know they flew. Oh well, now you okay, know. They're not near hair. Calm down. You'd feel them. They're huge. The only other thing I, I don't like is maggots. Those don't bother me. Yeah, I just, I'm not a fan, not a fan I of the I grew up in the South. They basically look like Brits. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> I'm a Northern girl, so I don't even eat grits. Like, oh, oh I don't eat them. They look like farina. Like, do you guys oh. have farina? Yeah, that's like, that's basically what they look like. Like, if you let it get too dry and stuff, yeah, it doesn't bother me. But they move, so. Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, this podcast is taking a weird turn. It truly is. As we're talking about those things, okay. 
So my question for you, Maria, is what does scare you? Oh, what does scare me? That's a good question. Not much. I mean, like, like normal, like regular things. Like I worry a lot about my kid, like, okay, is she going to get kidnapped? Is she going to get murdered? You know, that, that sort of thing that freaks me out. Like the realities, but as far as like otherworldly supernatural zombies, nuts, oh, tornadoes. I have to say, I freak the fuck out with tornadoes. Interesting. Interesting. And I lived in in New Mexico, and they had quite a few of those actually. And um, and and in Wisconsin, like there's also Tornado Alley, which is like Oklahoma and Texas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Arizona and and yeah. That. yeah, that's yeah. it's that is interesting. What about you, Jels? What scares you? Aside from bugs, nothing. Apparently, <laughs> aside from the flying. The fact that they fly is gonna haunt me in my dreams. I just want you both to be aware of that. I've never seen one fly. I've lived down here for three years now. It's going to haunt me. Well, what's going to happen now is one of them is going to fly at you because that's how like irony works. I will leave the state. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a guest room. You can come visit me. It's fine. I'm going to show up with all my bags like, hey, Erica. If Chelsea shows up, I'll be like, there was a palmetto bug flew at her. It's fine. <laughs> she moved. Oh my goodness. Okay. What about We're going to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking with Authors. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site, www.skunkbrotherspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to read 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brother Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunk. So let's talk a little bit. Do you read a lot? I'm assuming you do, Maria. No? Okay, I was wrong. I, I assumed uh, wrong. Okay, wait, let, let me, can I justify it though? Oh, she, she go ahead. Justify it. excuses. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm honestly, I really have to admit, I am a, I'm a terrible, horrible reader. Horrible. But I think my excuse for that is, is that I'm stuck in seventh grade. So I read what the kids read, you know, when the kids read it. So I think I've read The Outsiders like 200 times. Like I could recite that book inside and out probably. So like, I don't, I just, I don't have time. And then when I'm like, if I'm reading a book, I'm like, shit, I could be writing a book now. 
So it's a whole balance of time that I'm not very good at. No, it makes sense. I've gotten to um, listening to audiobooks a lot more. I used to read a ton. The other thing I stopped doing recently is I, I got in the habit of turning on the TV right before bed and then I wasn't reading. And so I've just, I used to read all the time right before I go to bed because that would be the time I could read, right? Like you're, and so now I'm reading again right before I go to bed. That's but, good. Yeah, audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks when I drive places, which is fantastical. I do a lot of driving. So audiobooks, I'll take them with me into the grocery store because I don't need to fucking talk to anybody who's in the grocery store. Right. Please and thank you. Unless it's a lovely Publix associate and I'm looking for rhubarb because I realize not rhubarb. Yeah, rhubarb. And I realize I don't even know what rhubarb fucking looks like. So looks like I purple celery. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to the store and had a, a recipe and I was like, it is occurring to me that I've never seen rhubarb in real life. <laughs> Yeah, it used to grow in my mom's backyard when we lived in New Hampshire. That used to be our snack. You'd just break off a stalk and eat it. Blue corn is mine. Yes. Really? You just go yes. Blue corn is mine when he went to my parents' house. He's like, what the fuck are you eating grass for? I was like, it's not grass, sir. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's it's like purple, it looks like celery. It's kind of bitter, kind of sweet. It's it's fucking rhubarb. It's it's <laughs> rhubarb. Do you ever eat something that's like it has a little bit of sweetness then like that tart right after yes they're called sour patch kids right yeah but they're not as delicious as sour patch kids once you get older and you have sour patch kids you realize rhubarb's not that great no but regardless i was i had to look for this at the publics but generally i, I put the you know ear pods in and i walk around publics and or grocery stores or doing laundry and I listen to audiobooks because if you think about it, there's a lot of time you do chores and and crap like that, right? right. So perfect time Why to not? read a book. I can't do that. I can't do audiobooks. I really? I'm half deaf in my right ear. So to listen to something, I can't focus. Like I don't I don't know what it is. I just I can't. <laughs> I got to sit and read it. And like on a Kindle, like a, like an ebook, forget it. I need the real thing. I need the actual book in my hand. I think a lot of people are like that. They want the physical tactile, yes. you know, smell and no, I'm a, I'm a, besides books I get from amazing authors, I do a lot of uh, e-reading because um, I've had a book fall on my face while I was sleeping, like, cause I fell asleep. And I'm not going to lie, presently I'm reading a book that was signed by an author. So I, last night, no lie. Bam! Like, oh, shit. I'm like, <laughs> this is not, this reminds me why I have an e-reader. Because. Right? <laughs> Boom. It, it fell literally right on my face. And I was like, that's fantastic. Okay, now I'm up. Now I'm up. I'll read another chapter. <laughs> right? <laughs> why not? When you do read Besides the Outsiders, which by the way is a great book, um, uh, where, what kind of genres do you read? Do you read horror? I do. Um, I love true crime. So oh, I'll me read, too. I'm yes. an addict. Yeah. I watch Forensic Files like every night. So anything that's true crime, real life, because that... I, like I said before, like I find like the, the reality of 
what people are capable of doing is scarier than devils and witches and, and werewolves and vampires. Like to me, the realness of it is is far beyond, you know, horror. Well, I think it's true. I think even when you're writing, it's it's interesting because when you talk about writing something fantastical, right? Um, and then somebody does something like I, I had a situation happen. I do HR for a living as a day job right now. And I had something happen. And I swear, like me and a couple other people that work with me were talking about it, that if I wrote it as a story, everybody would think it was the most ridiculous thing and that that could never happen ever. But it happened. Right. But if I wrote it and published it, exactly the way it happened no fictionalizing besides maybe the names like people would be like this is bullshit this would never happen and i'm like but it happened right right <laughs> it's it's so interesting where do you get your inspiration from um <sighs> dreams i dream like very vividly um, I listened to my kids talk, well, when I was writing like YA, I would listen to them talking like in the hallway and then I would take bits and pieces of that. Um, I draw a lot upon um, shit that happened to me when I was a kid growing up. I mean, I've, I've seen some pretty messed up stuff, you know, been involved in messed up stuff. So I just kind of like pick and choose stuff from real life, I guess. I don't know. No, that makes sense. I just always think it's because I know your your mom told you the story, but the like, where do you get inspired? I do a lot of people watching. I yes. just want the world to know that because I write horror, that I do a lot of people watching and get my inspiration because I, I see stuff. It's been harder the last couple of years since everybody's hidden in their house. But, um, you know, and then you, you, you go, well, how could that go completely fucking wrong? Right. <laughs> yep. You know? Yep. So, okay, so let's talk about um, your writing process, your writing process. Um, what, how, what, what is your mojo? Where, where does the writing occur? Do you have to be alone in a dark room with one light bulb lamp, writing in complete Flickering. silence? Like, right, with candles lit and the whole nine, right? Yeah, um, somebody no. doing a seance screaming soundtrack playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is gonna sound, I, I don't know if I should say this, um, but I'm gonna, fuck it, I don't care. Um, like around, I would say like April-ish when my kids are like state testing, that's when I get my most ideas because they're all sitting in a room. They're all like being quiet. They're all working. And I'm just kind of sitting there staring at them. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? And that's when, when I'm in that calm mode, that's when like the voices start to. So like during state testing time, I'm sitting there and I'll just like jot down bullet points. Right. And that's how it, like things start to kind of come together always in the springtime for whatever reason. And then come summertime, you know, my daughter, she's 13 now. So she's like, she can take care of herself, whatever, let her fend for herself. Um, my husband will go to work. My kid will be off camp, friends, whatever. And I just have like a three days, four days a week where I'm just like at the computer, knocking it out. 
Um, I do like a chapter outline before I start writing, um, just bullet points, dialogue, whatever, whatever comes to my head. Like I know how I want the chapter to begin and I know how I want it to end. And um, when I sit down, that's kind of when everything kind of comes together. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a, a summer writer. And that's like, I carve out my time because I have to be very disciplined. Um, things are going to change now though, because I'm working on this new series and apparently my publisher wants two books a year. So I have Your to- Your publisher um, would like three books a year, but- Well, my publisher's getting three books a year this year. So, you know, wait for it. <laughs> they'll stretch it out somehow. Don't worry. I'll figure No, I'll figure it out. Like it's gonna, it's gonna have to, I'm gonna have to adjust like during the school year. And that's fine because you know what, this is going to be my 23rd year of teaching. So I'm kind of like on autopilot right now. Like the light is at the end of the tunnel and I could see it. Like my exit strategy is happening, you know? Um, so I, I, it's going to be fine. Like, I was just going to have to rearrange that second book for the year, but I got this. I have no doubt you do on many levels, but <laughs> let's talk about, um, your fans. So your first book came out about the coal and the elves, right? Yes. And then the second book came out about the zombie kids. No. Um, that book didn't come out second. Oh, no. So wait, so really, really quick. I wrote the zombie book in 2011. I wrote The Coal Elf in 2010. It didn't come out until 2012. I wrote the zombie book in 2011. That didn't come out until 2020. Wow. Yeah. So I published the whole trilogy of The Coal Elf uh, 2012, 2015, 2017. And then the altered came out after that. Oh, yeah. wow. So I, there, I graduated. So I went from time in between it or was it just, it took you more time to write the other ones or no, was it because just, I was, I was laid up with that whole four year gap with that agent that did. Oh, okay. Right. Gotcha. So in that, that time, when I was with that agent, when nothing was happening, I was still writing. And the publisher who did the, the Cole Elf was like, well, if you have the sequel and the last in the series done, she's like, what are you sitting on it for? Let's just do it. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Get new material out there in the interim. So, so what was it like fan reaction when you got your first fan reactions? It was really cool. <laughs> it was like, you know, it was like, oh, because it was also like a local kind of thing. You know, I was doing the schools in the area. I was doing all like author talks at the schools and literacy week and the great American teaching. So it was kind of cool. And then like, I remember I, I rolled up to, um, to a McDonald's. I'm in the drive through at McDonald's this one time. And the girl who was working the register was like, oh, you, you talked at my school, you're that author. And I'm like, yeah, I'm that author. Like it was, it was kind of neat. Like it was a cute, it was a nice feeling. It was definitely like, okay, I'm getting, I'm getting recognized. Yay. That's very cool. What about reviews when reviews started to come in? Okay. So when the reviews start coming in, um, for the most part, like 
in the beginning, like they were, they were positive, whatever. But then when that first like negative review hit that like gut punch, you know, like takes your breath away. Um, I mean, I've been in the game so long now, like I just look at it and I'm like, okay, it is what it is. I'm not everybody's cup of tea and not everybody's going to like it. And that's okay. That's fine. Okay. You got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to have a thick skin because if you don't have a thick skin, this isn't for you. This business isn't for you. No, that's true. And I think, you know, again, um, having, I always tell authors, you know, you can read your reviews you want to, because that's a, the method of feedback you're getting, right? Like you, you, this is how you are receiving communication from your fans sometimes, but, but there are all kinds of people out on the interwebs, you know, it's like, have you ever used a dating website? If you have, you know what it's like to be an author and receive reviews. Exactly. Sometimes even start off positive and then turn into something quite ridiculous when you're right. <laughs> like I always say, I would rather, and I know this is going to sound bizarre, but I would rather get a negative review that gave me specific details. So I know that that person actually read the book and they say that like, this is what they didn't like. And this is what they didn't jive with. And like, give me that constructive criticism. I'm okay with that. I can take that instead of just saying this book sucked. I would rather have that like a, like a detailed <clears throat> negative than a positive review that just says, yeah, this book was great. I really liked it. Enjoyed it. Five stars, thumbs up, whatever. Because you're not telling me anything. Well, what did you like about the book? Are you just saying that you liked it just to like throw something my way. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I would rather have a detailed negative than a vague positive, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. A friend of uh, mine, and actually somebody I write with, Austin Collins, he wrote a great uh, blog article once called like the seven ways to review a book or something like that. And it talks about like all those points because somebody going, if this was great, actually, cool. Thank you. Thank you. It was great, but it does, it does pretty much nothing for me when you just say that. What was great? So I can continue doing that. Tell me what was great. Exactly. The thing that gets me is when people try to argue with you about what your story was or the people in it or tell you that your characters are terrible people and you're like, wait, like, what are you talking about? Right. You get all offended and in your feelings, like, hold on, like, I wrote this, I know what this is about. And they're like, no, you don't. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, I all guess ready. I don't. Touche, my friend. Wow. Yeah, no. I, I've just been called names and reviews. So that's, that's what's the happened weirdest, to me. <laughs> I just get what? the weirdest interactions with people. I have never been called anything mean, Erica. So I feel like we have a story we need to listen to. No, I think I've said it before. I had a reviewer say that Erica Lance is an author that likes to punch you in the fucking face. I feel like that's a compliment. That's a compliment. Here's the thing. I write horror stories, but they don't have happy endings. None of them have a good ending. No, nobody walks away unscathed and doing well. So anybody, and I warn people about that. Like, hi, this doesn't have a happy ending. You want to buy it from me? Go ahead. It even says it on the backs of the books. Like, sure. This is not going to end well. But um, he, he was, it was a five-star review, but he was, he was 
like you and then um i used to go um to a public prose reading right it was a great group literally uh, wordier than now it's in the champa bay area and they had an open mic night so i'd take my little short stories and i'd go read them there well i got to be kind of known for how the stories would end so there would be people that like you know i always i always felt good not when you know anybody clapped or cheered but when i you know i walked away and they were like what just happened <laughs> like, like if i fucked up their universe i felt like okay cool this story this this does it if everybody was like oh my god that was the best thing ever i'm like i'm rewriting that ending because right. that is so not the result you should switch it up and one time just give a happily ever after that way people are like no 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 this is when it's coming hold on everybody's super happy what? just wait for it <laughs> and then you just walk except away. for nobody it wouldn't end i'd walk off and then be like she's coming back it's okay well i'll just sit here right. it'd be a really awkward situation <laughs> that would be awesome that's it's hysterical okay chels over to you question so you have a new series coming out and i know you just you said you have two books that you have to do this year. Is this a part of, like, does it derive from any of your other series or is it something completely new? And is it like a trilogy or is it an extended series? Okay, so Dawn of the Blood Witch, brand new series, right? Um, it's like all, how can I explain this? So they're all connected in some level, some form. Like, but you can read each book as a standalone. So if you wanted to pick up like, you know, whatever, when I get to it, I haven't, haven't written it yet, Erica. Um, book seven, if you just wanted to pick up book seven and read it, it would be fine. You, you wouldn't need the context of the other books to understand what was happening. Um, but they're all connected and it's all gonna come to fruition by the 10th book. Okay. If it goes beyond that, I don't, I don't, no it, be I'm careful not. how you phrase things maria just be very careful i know i know I think, I think so books there. should go i think books and series should go as long as the author is enjoying writing them and the audience is enjoying reading them i agree you know i think sometimes they go beyond one of those two things whichever thing it is that you know what i mean we're talking about and you can tell when you read those books that they've gone beyond that. Right. You know, so that's that's my thing. I just, but of course, if you want to write 50 of them, who am I to say no to that? You know, um, what do you think your like Achilles heel in writing is? Like, well, what do you mean? Like, like, where do you, where does your editor go? Okay, stop doing this. Or like, do you find yourself getting trapped in dialogue and not describing things well, or using shrug? Like, does everybody scowl? And you realize when you do control find, there is 500 scowls in your manuscript. No, I, th I think I'm pretty good with, with the variations. I think like, before I send it, to my editor, I'll, I mean, obviously I look at it like a thousand times and I have my husband read it, whatever. So all that like, like redundancy shit gets taken care of. My problem is I don't know how to fucking use a comma to save my life. And I teach writing. I teach writing. I've been teaching writing 
for 22 years. And I still, my own self, I can't use a comma. Get can't pro writing aid. They'll fix it. They'll throw them in there for you. Sure. So I'm like, fuck it. You guys take care. <laughs> because I don't know. Well, that's what happened to Chelsea too. Chelsea went from underusing to now overusing. She yeah. is in the overusing phase of the comma because. Well, so now I have the pro writing aid. So it's like, yo, what are you doing with all these commas? Get rid of this. And I'm like, okay. And it's like, but you need one here. And I'm like, well, okay. So it's, it's an amazing software. Is it really? It is. My editor is so much happier with me. <laughs> pro writing aid. There you go. What, where, where does one get this? ProWritingAid.com. <laughs> it's, it's, so you go in, you can either pay for it monthly or you can do it yearly like I do. You save like 50 bucks if you pay for it for the whole year. It's like a hundred bucks or something like that. Totally worth it. It does every type of genre of writing. If you want business, if you want fiction, nonfiction, emails, absolutely everything. And you can customize it to like your specific phrasing. So like if you use slang or whatever, you can throw it into the dictionary and it won't yell at you for it again. It gives you grades. It tells you how many words should be in your sentences based on your genres. It goes through and tells you if you're using too many um, like ing started words or if you've used like the, like if you say the girl, the dog, the whatever, three times in a row, it's like, hey, you're getting repetitive, switch this out. Like it's fantastic, it's fantastic. I'll have to check I feel like out. after all of that, I deserve some type of sponsorship. You, you will reach out to them immediately. They can be a sponsor for the DWA podcast. There you go. Well done. Well done. I have to try. So, um, but you did you wrote to talk about when you wrote, but not your writing area. Did, were we right on the candles and the seance person in the background? You didn't talk the flickering about light. you actually write because. Otherwise, we're leaving it at that, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> so, no, I don't. I have to write in the daytime, real like ass crack of dawn. I got to get up, get it going. No, no, I don't have any crazy rituals except coffee, iced coffee. Iced That's coffee. what I run on. So Music? No, 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 no. Because then I get distracted and then I start jamming out and then I'm like, fuck, I got to write. I can't be jamming out and having a concert in my living room. Like, um, yeah. So <laughs> I have to be, I have to be quiet. It's gotta be quiet. Like if I hear my husband, I'm actually in his office right now and he works from home. So he's like in the upstairs office. I'm downstairs. If I hear him like on a call, like if I hear the other person talking or him, or if I hear him like tapping on the keyboard, I got to stop. And I'm like, all right, let him finish. Wait till it's quiet. Okay. Now I can go back. So that, can, that means you can't write in public places. Like you can't go to a coffee shop and write. Okay. I go to a coffee shop and plan. I can go and outline. I could do like character, model, whatever. But to write like my book? Fuck no, I gotta be home. Wow. Interesting. Le and leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't call me. Don't cell phone me. Nothing. So wow. you do book outlines and chapter outlines? Um, kind of, yeah. Like uh, the, the book outline is very, very brief. Like I have a beginning and I have an end, but then the chapter outlines it, that I get a little bit more detailed and then 
when I sit down to actually write, that's when it all just kind of comes together. And do I'll you start in my chapter outline. one and go through? Yeah. So like I'll do chapter one. I got, I got a notebook, right? I write, I have to handwrite it. It can't be typed. Like, like my chapter outlines have to be handwritten. I'm very, I'm very OCD. I'm very like super anal about so much shit. So I have a book dot, 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 dot. I'll write down like if I'm hearing voices in my head, which happens often, um, like the dialogue, I'll put the dialogue down and I'm just like, you know, oh, the moon time, the whatever time, the this time. And then I just go from there. I do my research wow. and all that and like, boom, boom, boom. Do you do a lot of research? I do, especially for this series, because I had to, um, because a lot of it is based, like the premise is like, it's going to be based on a particular event that happened in history. So like, um, which of the black circle, it really centers around the Ricky Castle case in, in Long Island in the 1980s. Um, how he murdered that dude and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to give away too much, but it, it actually happened. Like it was a real thing. Like growing up, I was like, oh shit, like this kid killed people. Um, so then the second book is going to be centered around a particular thing. And then the third one will be a bit of a line. Does that make sense? A no, totally. It makes sense. Do you get so, trapped down the research rabbit hole? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Um, sitting and, and trying to write and then going on the internet that is oh god i i shouldn't do that i'm bad i'm bad i get stuck <laughs> no i understand especially if you're researching to true crime and you're a true crime person oh like, yeah like okay then i go to this this serial killer and that serial killer and that serial killer i'm like Ooh, let me you're like i'm not killer. even writing about serial killers let me look it up again <laughs> exactly what am i doing <laughs> No, that's why I've made a point when I'm researching. I don't do a lot of research for my books because it's usually like a place. If I've never been there before, I'll go look in like Google Maps so I can see like, if I'm describing this, am I describing it correctly, right? So sure. not an idiot, but um, on that, but I will not, that's it. Like once I get the answer X, I have to close it down because otherwise I'll be like, let me look at all of these things. And then I'm not writing, I'm just researching cool streets in Boston for some what fucking fuck? reason that I only need a street and like what is the name of this street this restaurant's on then I'm like looking at the menu and I'm like oh my <laughs> fucking god this is terrible and then you're planning out a trip and you're like can I do this like you know yeah, yeah. just have yeah, your no, boyfriend that's... change the internet password no that's what my no. husband does that's how I get no. you off the internet what are, <laughs> who are you crazy person don't get let make me get some palmetto bugs i can bring them right into that this not <laughs> you will see a house go up in flames so fast oh my goodness okay Charles, i'm gonna give you the final question i know you're doing this huge series and you have your plan do you write a series and go straight through it or do you get other ideas for other series does that make sense like, you know, when you're working, so like I'm working on one realm right now. And as I go through, I'm like, okay, this has to get done. I have to do this. And then you have that thought in your head and it's like, Hey, what if there was a human bunny? And I'm like, you know what? Let's do a human bunny series. That's not really one, but I just saw a little bunny costume. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. I know exactly what you're saying. And yes, that did happen to me. Um, when I was right, like my first three series, right. 
Um, so I've got elves, I've got zombies, I've got angels and demons, right? So those are my three series that I, that I already have out now. Um, when I was doing the Cole Elf, that's when the idea for the others came to fruition, right? But now that I'm like centered on the world of witches, I, I'm, I don't have anything else on my mind at present time. I am solely and completely dedicated to this world. And I'm like, I just wanna like get all of my ducks in a row and, and, and make it happen. I don't have time to think about, other, I mean, I do like, I have an idea for like a, another Vela series, which is like kind of like a spinoff of my zombie, but that's like psh, psh, years, years, years away. Like seriously, I'm just, I'm concentrated on witches right now. And we appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so what advice would you give authors out there? I already said it. Um, you got to have a thick skin. Like, if you do not have that armor, plate, Mandalorian, Beskar, like, you are just not going to make it in this business. You can't let the haters get you down. You can't let bad reviews get you down. You can't let pissy clients get you down. Like, I mean... I'll be at a convention and I'll be talking, legit talking eye to eye with somebody about my book and they'll just look at me and walk away. Like you can't let shit like that bother you. Um, rejection after rejection, after rejection, after rejection. Like that, that stuff that a, like a regular person after a while, that's gonna really weigh on your soul and, and really like weigh, you know, bring you down. If you wanna make it in this business, you can't allow that to happen. You have to have a thick skin. That's it, honestly. I love it. Okay, tell people how to find you in your books. www. Promotion, social media, not social your house address. Okay. Jesus. My my website has everything. MariaDeVivo.com. I'm on TikTok. I have almost ten thousand followers. I'm so excited about that. Um, TikTok, uh, author Maria DeVivo. Instagram, author DeVivo. Facebook at Maria DeVivo author. Like, if you go to my website, I have a link tree. I Yay! love link tree. You yeah, gotta love so link tree. tree. Love it. Love you it. click it and then boom, 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 boom. Everything's there. That is brilliant, brilliant. And then, so um, the first book, Witch of the Black Circle dropped today, correct? Look at that. So pretty. So um, excited, so gorgeous. That <laughs> dropped today. And then when is book two supposed to come out? June 5th. That's exciting. I'm super excited. That's Witch of the Red Thorn. And that takes us all the way back to Salem. Very, very cool. Well, you have been fantastic to have on this podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been C.R. Rice. Our guest has been Maria DeVivo. And our sponsor is Skunk Brothers Spirits, DWA10 is the coupon code, check them out.